I imagine that being quite traumatic. We we all kind of likened it to, you know, like alien abduction. Like, you're, you know, you're pulled out of the water, you're put in this trough, like things are done to you, and then you're like released back, and it's just like. Hi, I'm Kelsey Murchie. I am a PhD student at the University of Victoria working with uh, Francis Juanes, and I study um, the impacts of shipping noise on Chinook salmon, uh, mainly focusing on their behavior. Welcome back to episode 7 of Below the Tide. My name is Liz and I am your host. So last week we did not have a new episode just because after the long weekend I spent it with some friends and family. I didn't have enough time to get something edited to the quality that I wanted it to be for you guys. So I took the the week off, got this all settled, and now we are back and we've got some really exciting material to share. This week I am featuring Kelsey Murchie. She is going to talk about salmon tracking. It's going to be really fun, some really cool things to learn. And with all of my episodes, don't forget there are resources on my Instagram page at Below the Tide Podcast. So if you want to check out for definitions, visuals, all of that, go through Instagram. But other than that, grab a coffee and uh, get ready. So hi, I'm Kelsey Murchie. I am a PhD student at the University of Victoria working with uh, Francis Juanes and I study um, the impacts of shipping noise on Chinook salmon, uh, mainly focusing on their behavior. Do you want to kind of give an overview of what you do for your research? Like what is your main focus in your project? Sure. In like a little summary, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, I kind of have I guess three, three to four main projects that mm-hmm. I've been working on. Um, and I guess the first one is looking at sound production in Pacific salmon. Um, so the, there's five species. There's the Chinook, um, Coho, Sockeye, Pink, and Chum. So um, with Salmonids, there's not a lot of literature looking at if they produce sounds. Um, so like there are a lot of fish species that use sound um, for communication um, or just kind of incidental sounds like their fins scraping and stuff like that. Um, so we wanted to look and see if um, salmon produce sounds. Um, and so that's, I guess, my kind of first big project. Um, so we put some recorders, um, underwater hydrophones that record underwater noise um, in a hatchery um, with a couple of the different species to see um, what kind of sounds um, they produce. Um, And then I guess my other, one of my other big projects was done in Cowichan Bay um, here on Vancouver Island. And we were using acoustic tags. Um, So those are tags that actually transmit like a series of Um, pings to the acoustic receivers and will say like I'm this fish and our tags actually gave like a depth or acceleration value so we could look at kind of their behavior while they were in Cowichan Bay. Yeah and so these are attached to the fish. Yeah so we actually um, inserted them into their stomachs. Oh cool. Um, And since these were we were using fish that were returning to spawn because we were kind of using this as a larger project, um, which was in collaboration with the BC Conservation Foundation, Couch and Tribes, and a DFO. And so we wanted to look at kind of a whole big picture of what was going on with 
um, adult Chinook as they're returning to the rivers. Mm -hmm. So my part was mainly looking at sound. So Couch and Bay has a wide range of different shipping activities. So we have the, the freighters that go in and anchor, uh, logging activity, as well as a lot of recreational boats. Um, so each of the tag hydrophones also had um, an underwater hydrophone that recorded the um, noise attached to the same um, deployment site. Right. So we could pair back what was going on like underwater in the environment acoustically mm -hmm. to what the fish is doing, or at Whoa. least that's the hope <laughs> in the end. Um, and then we're also using this tag data to look at you know, their general movements in the bay. Um, specifically, we want to look at the interactions with um, harbor seals that are using the log booms as haulouts, um, and then just, um, you know, their migration timing into the river, survival into the river, um, to kind of add more metrics there. Wow. Yes. And <laughs> like how, so this, this second project, how long has this been going on? How long is it taking? Um, so I've been a part of it for um, two years. So we did deployment, we did tagging in 2019 and in 2020. Um, but our collaborators at the BC Conservation Foundation, they used, um, also they're called pit tags. So mm -hmm. they're more of a magnetic tag. Okay. Um, and they use them for in-river tracking migration. So as they like pass over their arrays, the like magnetic field like charges the tag. And Whoa. It, tells you like the ID. Wow. Um, so they've been using that to track um, migration and survival into the river. Yeah. And they did that in 2017 and then again in 2021. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping we can do one more year of the kind of combination of the acoustic tagging and the pit tags mm -hmm. um, next year in 2022 um, if we can get the, the funding to do it just yeah. to get more information on what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so we have, I guess, the data from the years that, the two years that I've been a part of the project um, to look at the acoustic tag. That's kind of been my role, mm -hmm. I guess, in it, is trying to look at more of the acoustic tagging stuff. Yeah. And um, we're still working through analyzing the data. <laughs> um, it's definitely had a big learning curve for me. It's yeah. my first kind of experience working with um, acoustic tag data. Okay, yeah. So, and trying to kind of tease apart that um, you know, their behaviors, so their, their depth and acceleration values, as well as their spatial patterns in the bay and into the river, because we had um, nine receivers inside the bay, and then two in the river, or in the estuary, I should say, two in the lower river, and then two kind of in the main stem part of the, the river. Yeah. So it's kind of combining all of those and looking at all their patterns and stuff. So it's been a little, <laughs> a lot, I guess, to Yeah, you're <laughs> to like work trying through. to get to know the salmon based on their sounds that they're making. Um, this is just, yeah, on their, they're just their behavior, oh, I guess. Yeah. The, yeah. So like their, just their movement and, mm -hmm. you know, how they, what they do, because, you right. know, really we can't, we don't see them because mm -hmm. um, they don't really surface that much if they yeah. do it's just kind of like they'll like fin at the surface a little bit or mm -hmm. but nothing like we don't know like are they changing depths during the day versus night you yeah. know where are they hanging out we had you know kind of the hot spot like fishing locations that mm -hmm. they were like you know 
this is where the fish are. And it was like, cool. But then like when we actually looked at the data, we saw, you know, they were moving in and out of the bay and all around the bay and like not just kind of hanging out, like waiting for the river to be high enough to like go in. Right. Um, which is kind of the knowledge before was just kind of like, yeah, they, they stage in these bays before like they move up river to spawn, mm -hmm. like when kind of the time is right based on the environmental conditions. Right. Um, but it was kind of cool to see that they, they are hanging out, but they're also moving, you know, around or, yeah. you know, we only had receivers kind of in that area. So we couldn't see were they just hanging out yeah. like just outside the bay. Yeah. We had one that actually left and went all the way to like Harrow Strait and then came back um, to go up the river. So it's like quite a distance. Like he just got tired of waiting. And yeah, left. <laughs> you know, it's, and <laughs> we all, I guess, want to kind of, you know, put human emotions and thoughts, right. you know, behind it. But it's hard to know. Yeah, like what, like what, what made them yeah, leave. you yeah. know, and the probably the craziest one, which we all laughed about because we were like, this is just a crazy. We we tagged a fish in 2019. And I, I never had any more like detections on it, like a really minimal yeah. movement patterns or anything on it. I was just like, we had like five minutes after it was tagged and I was like it. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I wonder where this fish went. And like, we've been working with um, Ocean Tracking Network mm -hmm. out of Dalhousie and they, they were able actually, who gave us, loaned us the receivers, because mm -hmm. um, it's quite expensive. So yeah. um, it was really nice to actually have them like loan us those receivers. Yeah. And then we just, you know, sent them back when we were done. but then you submit all of your data and they have like a huge kind of repository of all the data collected yeah. from different receivers um, in the area for different projects. Um, they also maintain a few arrays. Um, and we actually got some detections of this fish. As the 2019 it, fish. Yeah, that went like up um, and exited like out the top of Vancouver Island near um, Queen Charlotte Sound. Whoa. And then like we were like, oh, I wonder where it went like and we could use the the genetic you know, like stock yeah. assessment to kind of look where it was but we didn't have that quite yet so we were like oh I wonder what the like wonder what happened to this fish yeah. like crazy um, and then you know probably a month or two later I got this email from um, some other um, students at UBC that were doing some acoustic tagging and they were like oh yeah we got this email from people that have acoustic tags in the Columbia River in Washington and they actually have this tag that they asked if it was ours and we were like, oh, it's not ours, but like, is it yours? And it was this fish. So it had like been tagged in Cowichan Bay and like went all the way up and around the island and then straight down into like the, and like up the Columbia, like. That's hundreds of kilometers. Oh, yeah. For this fish to just like be out swimming around. Yeah. And like. And that was how many months? It would have been like, we tagged at the end of August. And it was probably beginning of October, maybe mid-October by the like final detection, because then its pit tag was actually read at like the like Bonneville Dam and like different locations in the Columbia River. And so we were just like, this fish, like for one, like it went like the wrong way if you're thinking like the closest, yeah. you know, like to get you to your like home to like spawn. It should have gone, you know, out Juan de Fuca. Yeah. But yeah, like it went. It went like hundreds of kilometers north only to take a sharp left and just go even more kilometers south. Yeah. Like it was, it's by far like the craziest that I've 
and I, you know, like have no rationale for why yeah. it did that. Um, but it's just kind of a cool, fun story that yeah. it's like, you know, these fish aren't always doing what we necessarily assume. And mm. that's kind of the cool thing about, you know, the acoustic tagging is yeah. we can we can see more of that and like where they're going or yeah. where they're hanging out, you know, and well, because so. you can kind of see their behavior as well as their physical movement. Yeah. That's, oh my goodness, that's wild. And what does tagging kind of look like? What's that process? What's a day in the life of a tagger? Oh boy, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun one. Um, so when we were doing these uh, tagging projects, we would go out and be out on the boat, you know, 12 hours, you know, a day, like kind of a dust till dawn as best as we could. Um, and we were just fishing um, with the like hook and line, kind of traditional fishing, mm-hmm. I guess recreational gear, I should say. Um, and it was basically just, you wait until you catch a fish. Um, and once you catch a fish, you gotta obviously get it into the boat, yeah. which um, can be quite challenging with some of these larger fish. Um, and then once it's on board, um, we had a, we got this cooler, um, that actually was like it's like dark blue on the inside okay. um, so which is a little less stressful mm-hmm. um, for the fish if we can keep them in kind of a darker environment um, then we also like if you hold them like kind of upside down in the water um, that's a little more I guess calming for them so so that like the top of their <laughs> head is like facing the bottom of the cooler yeah why is that more calming I think I you know I t- to be honest I don't for sure know yeah. if maybe like it's just like then they can't necessarily see out right, as oh, easily true. maybe um oh. but i i'm not 100 <laughs> sure on on that one um but um and then yeah we took we would take like the length measurements we did their kind of um, from their nose to their like fork in their tail um as well as like a circumference so we could kind of approximate a weight measurement as well um and then we took scales that we can use for, for aging, um, as well as as a backup for um, any sort of genetic analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we uh, fin clip as well. Um, so if they had their adipose fin, we would just take a sliver off of that. And what's the adipose fin? Um, how do I say it without? It's the it's the little fan that's on their caudal peduncle, but that's not helpful. <laughs> is um, it on the top of them or the bottom? Yeah, of so them? it's on the on the top behind okay. the dorsal. I guess okay, it's okay. that little fin behind the dorsal. <laughs> oh, cool! And do they only develop that at a certain age? Or um, no, like all oh, okay. of them, all have, them it. have it. Okay. Um, hatcheries tend to clip it oh. as a, their way of kind of marking, um, especially with coho. We'll have most of theirs if they're a hatchery fish, they'll be clipped. Oh, okay. Um, but in Cowichan, the, the hatchery there. Um, also is uh, 100% clips their hatchery fish. So that's also just kind of a way that we can be like, roughly at the start, be like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, so we have wild and you know hatchery. Right. Um, but then that's also confirmed with the, the genetic analysis. Right. So we, can, we can track that as mm-hmm. well. Um, so yeah, so we do that. Um, we also on the, so I should say the acoustic tag fish, we had a size restriction. Okay. So we wanted them above 60 centimeters mm-hmm. if possible. Um, and um, we didn't want them to be bleeding at all. Um, mm-hmm. So if they're 
you know, when they were hooked, if there's like blood coming out of the wound, mm -hmm. um, we kind of tried to monitor them yeah. just to make sure there wasn't any um, issues because that'll lower their chance of survival right. um, if there's too much, mm -hmm. uh, any hook damage. Yeah. Um, so with the acoustic tags, since they're um, quite expensive, we wanted to make sure we were giving them, I guess, their best <laughs> chance at giving us data. Um, so we had some restrictions on that. Um, so we kind of did the, we did the acoustic tagging last. So we would do a, uh, the pit tag, which we put into their like abdominal cavity okay. um, with a, uh, like a 12 gauge needle, like it's, oh, okay. um, so it was just in like a, kind of like using a, a little gun that had the needle on and you yeah. just like kind of put it below their skin and, and release it. Yeah. Um, Cause the, the pit tag is, I think it's only like 12 millimeters yeah. like long and it's, it's quite, it's quite small. Um, so they don't, um, doesn't really impact their behavior. Mm -hmm. um, the acoustic tag is um, a lot larger. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably, Actually, I probably have one if you want to see it. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Since I'm attached, I didn't oh. want to like start <laughs> pulling. Um, but the so these we had to also make sure that they were large enough to not have it impact their behavior. Um, so this is well, the it's like a little cylinder. It is, yeah. And so this this top part that's kind of divided, I yeah. guess. Um, so that's actually the, it's a pressure sensor, so that's how we detect the, the depth measurement. Oh, cool. Um, and then just inside here is a um, accelerometer that has uh, three axes, so that's how it kind of tracks the acceleration value, I should say. Cool. And it's all in like this, like, what is that, 15, 20 centimeters? Yeah, I think it's like, maybe thir 13. 13 centimeters maybe? tall. Yeah. Little cylinder. Wow, that's insane. Um, so yeah, they're quite, they're quite interesting. Yeah. So um, I quite enjoy them. <laughs> um, so sorry, where do those go when you're, you're holding this salmon and you're like, where do I put this cylinder? So we actually um, push it down their throat okay. and into their stomach. Yeah. So we made a kind of plastic plunger mm -hmm. that the tag sits in. And then as they're upside down, the person who's like holding the fish underwater, like so the fish is actually underwater yeah. while it's being in the trough, I should say. And then they just kind of like lift the head up um, and kind of, then you just kind of try to open the mouth just a little bit. And then you just like push it in as fast oh. as possible. Yeah. Um, and then we have like little markers on the like plunger to be like, don't go further than right. like this. Cause we don't want obviously to like perforate their stomach yeah. or anything. Um, so then, yeah, so then we kind of, once we hit that point, we like just kind of like, you just like pop the tag off mm -hmm. and like pull the plunger back out um, and then put the fish kind of just back in the water. Yeah. Um, and we kind of just monitored to make sure it didn't just like right away regurgitate the tag. Mm -hmm. um, but if it, if it didn't, then um, the fish was ready to go back um, and you would just basically pick it up out of the the trough like so that it was upright I should mm -hmm. say so you'd hold kind of below the pectoral fins and then holding that kind of part right before the the right. tail um, and then just like kind of over the side of the boat and yeah. release it and we had a 
kind of mobile unit that mm -hmm. detected the tags off the front of the boat. Oh, okay. And so then we would kind of monitor their post-tagging behavior just to kind of be like, okay, good, they, they dove down to depth. Now they're at like a safe spot where they can mm -hmm. kind of recover yeah. just from that process um, because I imagine that being quite traumatic. We, we all kind of likened it to, you know, like alien abduction. Like, yeah. you know, you're pulled out of the water, you're put in this trough, like things are done to you and then you're like released <laughs> back and it's just like... Your stomach feels a little bit off, but you're yeah, kind of going with it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I guess the reason why we chose um, to do the, put it in their stomach is because um, these fish aren't typically feeding. And as they are, um, I guess, maturing and getting, they'll their stomach actually kind of like compresses okay. and like gets smaller and so it kind of shrinks up right around that tag and then we don't have as high of like rejection right. of the tag later on okay so wow. that was kind of nice um, and we didn't not that we know of I should say lose any um, tags that then the fish like you know because we the pit tag we could then track if they had like regurgitated yeah. the tag um, but we didn't notice any of that yeah. which was nice um, <laughs> and reassuring. How, how much does like a little pit tag cost a little 13 centimeter cylinder i want to say like the, the the pit tags are like three bucks a piece or yeah. something um and then these acoustic tags with the with the two sensors um were like 800 to a thousand dollars a piece uh, yeah. Going into a Chinook salmon's stomach. Yes, that yeah. you hope lives, you know, yeah. and, you know, we, it's always kind of been our, you know, I guess it's the main goal of it is for them to yeah. survive and stuff. Yeah. But, um, yes, they're, they're quite expensive and um, wow. no way to get them back either. So mm -hmm. it's just kind of like yeah. you want to make sure you're being very strategic, I guess, in yeah. where you're placing them so you're not limiting your your data or anything <laughs> but um, that's we were only able to um, so in 2019 we only had 17 that were acoustically tagged mm -hmm. and then we had 19 in 2020 so okay. a pretty small sample size yeah but um, mm -hmm. overall like we got some really cool data um, some interesting things like you know in 2019 we had a lot more detections of our fish that mm -hmm. they, they hung around the bay um, and in 2020 they they seemed to leave and then just come back and go right up river yeah versus you know like actually spending time in the bay um, yeah. we had a harder time catching them in 2020 mm -hmm. so um, they don't really you know I guess just those differences yeah. in, the, in the year and what's happening so yeah so much for tuning in once again my name is liz and this is below the tide i am really happy that you were here i'm really excited to share what we've got coming for next thursday a continuation of kelsey's research and her experiences it's gonna be really fun so tune in you can follow my instagram page at below the tide podcast to keep up to date with all of that but i hope you have a great rest of your day